Behold, behold, behold the pale podcast. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street. There's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do, and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe, and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest, I don't want you to ride, I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. My life has value. My life has value. Behold the Pale Podcast. Alright folks, welcome back to another episode of Behold, 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 a Pale Podcast. Well, hey, Alex, I got something I gotta tell you. Uh Uh-oh, what? You are the walrus, okay? I, I am the walrus? You are the walrus. Okay. You are my carpenter the hell's going on <laughs> if i was a cop with a, a carpenter and you were a lady would you have my baby sean how you doing over there brother sean then in the building with us doing the i'm still here how's everybody how are you doing doing well doing well doing, doing, a lot good, good. doing a lot better than our subject this evening that's for sure you know what I mean? why is that well you know he's kind of dead lost his head yeah, well, he's right been out. dead for uh, quite a while. Uh, John, you know, this play, you know, we're talk- of course we're talking about John Lennon. Um, you know, I wonder if his his death place has to be haunted. Gotta be. Gotta be. Big energy. You know, because you got a star that bright. I know we'll get into how not everybody feels a star was that bright, but uh, the magnitude of something like that and then the pop, boom, dead, leaving. You know, people say sometimes the reason for ghosts is when you're you're so in the fucking moment of life, and then gone, and you 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 spare it almost don't even know that you're gone, and then hence a ghost is left. You know what I mean? Or the energy of wanting to be here still, you know, is so strong that uh, you would want to. Uh, but I get you would think you would think John Lennon would want to stick around with all the fame and stuff, but. When he kind of had a bleak outlook on the world, maybe he was ready to leave anyways. You never know. You know what I mean? Okay. Now, I happen to be a fan of Jonathan Lennon and the Beatles and such. And uh, we'll walk through you gentlemen because I know that 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 opinion isn't shared by everybody here. Uh, We'll start, we'll go with with Alex. A, 
for Alex. All right, Alex, what uh, you, what's your opinion of John Lennon as a musician? Or maybe well, a I mean, I mean to be perfectly honest, yeah. Um, I can't think of John Lennon without the Beatles. I I see the, the Beatles as a concise group, and with John Lennon. They they made some great music. I'm a big fan of their music. I have to admit, I can't think of anything that he's done that wasn't with the Beatles that I heard. Maybe there is. I just didn't know it. Um, His most famous song is the, uh, you say that I'm a believer, but I'm not the only one. Imagine. Yeah, Imagine it. all the people. You've never heard that song? Oh, okay. So that was him just by himself. That's JL, yeah. Okay, so uh, without the Beatles and all that, um, yeah, I I do remember that song, and it is a good song. But I mean, if that, for example, if that's the only like big breakout song that he did by himself, do you compared- only know? Do you only know John Lennon for Flashlight and Du Hast? Are you? Is that what you're trying to tell me? I'm just saying, I only know John Lennon as far as the Beatles. Oh, okay. So right. I know the Beatles music with John Lennon, and yeah. it's great. I'm a big fan of that. Um, if that song is just John Lennon without the Beatles, that's also a really good song, and I also am a fan of that. But, I mean, if if we're juggling, I I think John Lennon was a very important part of the Beatles, and when he was no longer a part of the Beatles, that's why it all fell apart. Um, could he have, without you know running into his fate, gone on along by himself? Yeah, but I mean, I the hard part with me and the Beatles, I really didn't connect with any of them individually. Yeah. I connected with them as a group. Other than one. There's only one Beatles that I was a fan of personally, and that was Ringo, the best one. I knew you were going to say that. That's how <laughs> I know how educated in the Beatles you are. Hey, well, hey, you hey. Think, hey you think, Ringo's hey, you probably... my boy, okay? Okay, he played the conductor in Thomas the Tank Engine. He has my respect. Peace. Who? Carlin? George Carlin narrated. Yeah, oh. Uh... George Carlin was the second conductor. Yeah. Ringo Starr was the first conductor in the TV series Thomas the Tank Engine. I appreciate him in Caveman, the Carl Gottlieb picture. Oh, yeah. You probably think that the Beatles' best song was Whoop, There It Is, Hawk. I don't know. Whoop, there it is. I don't uh, know. No. All right, fair enough. Uh, so- I need somebody. Help. Yeah, look at you. You got it. So you like the Beatles, you don't really take them singly. Uh, you know, I I think there was some solo stuff that was done good from a lot of the folks in the band. Yeah. Sean, where, where do you sit with the Beatles? John Lennon mainly, I guess. Uh, Beatles? I I was never into, ever. I don't know why. I don't like the music. Um, John Lennon, I really never got into him or anything. Just think that, you know... Doc David Chapman is a big dude. <laughs> yeah. Like seven foot tall, isn't he? He's a big dude, yeah. He's a um Mice of Men. What is it, Lenny? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He's Lenny of Mice of Men. 
Yeah. Mice and men. Uh, mice and men, but no beetles in that story, if you know what I mean. That's that's kind of the metaphor. Yeah, I Let just go keep... way off topic there. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, no. I, I think I did. I don't know what happened. No, I brought up the dude. <laughs> no, it's all good in the hood here. It's all good yeah. in the hood, man. So, Lennon, yeah. I don't know. I, I like the dude. I, I know that Sean's never been a fan, which I always find interesting. You know, the Beatles, I can understand you not loving the Beatles, but not liking any of the songs I always think is uh, an interesting take. Well, like, it's something I feel like my mother played, like, way too much, and it just got, like, so sick and tired of it. All right. I can get that. That's why I don't like Star Trek, because it was really? played so much, and I never wanted to watch it and had to watch it, so I hated it. Deep Space Nine, not the original like Deep Space Nines and stuff. Which I, it's probably good stuff. I know Deep Space Nine is the best Star Trek. That's my personal opinion. Mike Calvin likes it as well. Mike like Mike Calvin likes it more than me bringing up his name on this podcast. Yeah, he don't like that at all, probably. (laughs) But uh, Uh, yeah. Lennon, you know, the thing with Lennon, dude, is he, he's, you know, a lot of folks would think he's, you know, musical genius, you know what I mean? Um, and he was praised up and everybody loved him and stuff. And maybe, maybe not so recent years, but for, you know, the, the reality of who he was, he was kind of a dirtbag as a person. Arrogant. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, if you want to get into, I mean, I did a little research on uh, David Chapman. Hmm. Well, that's a uh, little research. I, I know that you used him. I don't know how much you want to break down the fourth wall here, but I believe you. You, you know, you do some time acting behind the scenes when you're not beholding, and uh, I believe you used him for influence on a character at one point. Yes, yes, yes. One of my infamous characters, Mr. Wesley Kalinsky from the cult classic DJ Stan the Man. Um. Yeah. I mean. It, it was funny because um, those who, who who listen to our shows know that DJ Send the Man is a movie that Mr. Matthew Fisher directed, and I had the honor of being a part of playing the character Wesley Kalinsky. John and, was a part of the film as well. No, he yeah. wasn't. <laughs> John helped with uh, locations. <laughs> Google Maps. Hey, that's important. <laughs> But uh, the fact was, uh, Matt uh, made a suggestion about my character being Mark David Chapman-like. And, of course, at that time, I knew of him in the fact that he killed John Lennon. That was all I knew about him, and, and that was it. I didn't know why he did it or his reasoning behind it. But since Matt suggested him as a possible uh, bit of inspiration for the character... I thought I'd look into it. And one of the uh, things that uh, 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 the uh, authorities found on him was he had a book, uh, Catcher uh, in the Rye, uh, which is um, an interesting book. I think most people have read it because they had to read it in school. I mean, that's the first time I read it. And, of course, being a kid in school, reading a book that you had to read, you you really don't pay much attention to it. You just, you know, just gloss over and just try to get enough information to pass the test and, you know, go on. But since I was doing this character, I, I read the book again. I read a little information on, on Mark David Chapman. And one of the things that the coalition 
was he saw himself as uh, the main character in the book Catcher in the Rye. And one of the uh, big things in the book is uh, the main character always looked at people as being phony uh, to a point where I think he used the word phony, I think, about like 28 times or maybe more. And, uh, I mean, I actually went through the book and underlined it, but it was a while ago, so I don't remember the exact number. And one of the things that he pointed out to uh, one, uh, his reasoning for wanting to shoot uh, John Lennon was you got John Lennon uh, uh, preaching about, you know, uh, throw off your you know, material goods. You know, and, you know, love is all you need and all these uh, things about, uh, you know, being true to yourself and not giving into the material world that everyone pushes on to you. And the fact is that, I mean, where uh, John Lennon himself, where he was living, the lifestyle he had how much money he had, he definitely was not one that was living what he was preaching. Mm. Uh, And, I mean, we can all, uh, I think I can uh, say on my, I agree with what he was saying, that, you know, material material wealth and all that uh, should not be the be-all and end-all of one's life. One should try to find a spiritual... uh, kind of uh, find spiritual meaning in life. I think that's important. Uh, but it was obvious that in David Chapman's mind that you have this guy who's well-known, famous, you know, being a hypocrite, spouting about this is what you need and, and how you should live, but he was not living how he was preaching. Yeah. In essence, being a phony, which was... Uh, the big thing in that book, which uh, Mark David Chapman found as uh, almost like a Bible for him. Mm. That was, you know, kind of preaching uh, to him about uh, how life was not fair, how, you know, you have people saying one thing and doing another. And, and if you go into it, it's been... Um, shown and brought up in a lot of different forms, whether it's books, uh, movies, TV, that uh, the Catcher in the Rye book itself has been linked to a lot of people like Mark David Chapman who, you know, cross over the line and do some pretty bad stuff uh, using the book as a reason why they do it. And uh, to a point that the writer of the book actually went into seclusion because people were saying that his book was uh, driving these people to do things. And and the fact is, as I said before, people are going to do what they want to do no matter what. The only difference is what they want to blame for what they do. Oh, someone told me, do this. I read this book and it touched me in a way that I had to react to the book and you know kill someone because of it. Yeah. The book did not make them do it. It's their excuse. And Mark David Chapman used Catcher and Rye as an excuse for why he thought it, he should, you know, publicly kill John Lennon 
because he himself was a phony. And, of course, the truth is that Mark David Chapman was a guy who was, you know, ostracized. He had mental issues. And, you know, in his mind, he was like, well, I'm going to make a name for myself. And what would be a bigger thing than killing one of the most famous musicians alive at the time? John Lennon. He was a super fan of him, too. That was a huge part of it. And there's only one way to kill a phony baloney. Now, before we get into uh, kind of the whole deal and what went down, you know, uh, we have a show on the network, The Lighter Side of Serial Killers with Keith Roveri. Keith has uh, been on our show before. Great dude, great writer, great podcaster. Uh, he's been corresponding with serial killers and the likes for many, many years, over 20 years. One of the per- people that he did correspond with back in the day was uh, Mr. Chapman over here. And uh, I know that he did say that, you know, he was, uh, ever, you know, he, he he got religious and that was all he ever really wanted to talk about uh, was religious stuff. And he did not get into the Lenin stuff. It was because uh, I was interested, you know, to curious if he ever had if he ever got into it. Because it's like when you I don't know, it's weird when you kill like a dude who almost sim- symbolizes like the give peace of chance thing, you know what I mean? You know, when you when people go, okay, there, you know, there's always these people that say, yeah, yeah, we need to change the world and love each other and give peace a chance. You know, there's always like a handful of people always brought up. Lennon's one of them, and it's just it's kind of I'd, I'd love to get in the head and see what what he really thinks about things. It's like when you kill one of those people, it's kind of a weird deal. But his his actions are kind of insane, as we'll get into. But yeah, I remember Keith telling me he was a little weird, and uh, you know. Didn't like talking about things. Kind of brought him down, you know. Hey, Jude. So, now the voice inside Mark David Chapman's head told him to do it, do it, do it. No, it's not just song lyrics over there. Do it, do it, do it. Now, in the next few moments, one of the world's most famous rock stars would be laying dead in front of him. You know what I mean? Right in front of the Dakota, which is probably haunted, like I was saying earlier. Uh, very horrifying stuff. Caught him a few times and uh, bled out. It was a mess. I know that it was a super mess. I know when the, you know, the hospital, when they got him to the hospital and they were working on him and they said they like, they peeled back the shirt and it was just like fucking finished. You know what I mean? It was like, they, it was one of those deals like with a president where like, you know, they really try as hard as they can, even though they've been dead for a long time type deal. I think that was the case. They pulled with John Boy. But now certainly no sane or rational person can ever understand why someone would want to kill another person. I mean, we could understand, you know what Mm. I mean? That's just how it kind of is. Um, But the assassination of Lennon, one of the most famous rock stars, give peace a chance type dudes, like I was saying, occurred in 1966 after the press misquoted him as saying that the Beatles were more popular than Jesus Christ. Which I remember that was a big deal. Very tongue in cheek is what he what he was going for, but I think it was very shock and awe that he was going for as well. Be a bad boy type deal, and uh, especially back then, you say something like that. You know, nowadays people wear devil horns to press conferences and stuff, so it's not a big deal. But like back in '66, saying stuff like that, you'd really upset people. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And you know, people that would probably kill you if you upset them, even though they're righteous. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
the crime would at least have had some context. 14 years after that confusion and after five years spent with his wife, Yoko Ono, an infant son in virtual solitude, Lennon was gunned down in front of his apartment building in New York City on December 8th, 1980. Um, ironically, I got those dates mixed up then. Ironically, Lennon had autographed his new album, Double Fantasy, for his murderer, Mark David Chapman, who was 25 at the time when he and his wife had first left the Dakota apartments that evening. So Chapman was 25. You know, as a record collector, I would love to own that record signed by John Lennon. I wonder where that record wound up. Kenny Hawks has it. I mean, yeah. It's got to be. Think about that. Think about, like, I guess it's in an evidence locker somewhere, probably realistically. No, a collector's got yeah. it. What's think the name collector's of it? got that? I mean, I'm looking at it. Yeah, look into that, because I would like to be the collector that owns that. I could only imagine, dude, that thing probably had blood on it. Like, that was, uh, that was, like, he had his autograph, his blood. Wait, uh, hold on, hold on. Holy man, could have the fucking the mist from his last breath could be on the fucking thing, dude. What? Wait, uh, wait. Did so? So, so you're saying Mark David Chapman actually gave him, had him sign it, and shot him? Because I, I always what happened is he 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 signed it earlier in the day that he returned. But he. Probably, oh, okay, okay. That's because... what I mean. That's the story that I know. But I didn't. I mean, I guess it's a good point whether or not it was still whether on. he returned with the. I mean, he could suddenly have. Taken, went to the hotel, dropped it off, and then came back to do it. Yeah, I guess so because I know he wasn't a New Yorker. He wasn't. He was like he came in to do it. Uh, yeah. yeah. You can buy it. How much? Uh, it, price available upon request. Uh, really? Yeah, we're, we're, we're talking about a few million. I'm is sure. Res- is it like a, is it a respectable place? Is it, is it real? You think this is real? Because I'd be. We got a Patreon page now, ladies and gentlemen. All, <laughs> as, a group, as a group, we could all own this piece of history. You know what I mean? Um, incredulous, incredulously, the doorman at the Dakota shouted, Chapman, uh, shouted at Chapman, asking him if he knew what he had done. Chapman, having put away the thirty-eight revolver after putting away fucking multiple shots in Lennon's chest, uh, he, put, he put the revolver and slammed the four flat-tipped bullets into Lennon's back. Now idly flip through the pages of her paperback edition of Catcher in the Rye. Another item I would love to know where that book wound up. That's evidence as well. But, you know, we've had a few folks on uh, throughout the Boombastic Media Network that uh, on the show is collecting stuff like this. So it's very possible this is in a collector's hands. You know what I mean? Or, or it was just thrown out <laughs> after I they were to- done. I'd hate to think something like that was thrown out when I could have it on my fucking mantelpiece or something like that, you know? Now, he responded to the doorman's angry query uh, by calmly answering that he had just shot John Lennon. Yeah, so I remember, yeah, he said he he shoots him. The dude yells at him. He says that. And then he sits down and reads and waits for the cops to come get him, I believe. Now, in August of 1966, when the Beatles were in Chicago... An American teen magazine picked up uh, on the interview that Lennon had given to the London Evening Standard on March 4th, in which he remarked that the the, the skewed uh, values of the 1960s, the Beatles had more influence on the kids than anything else, including Jesus. 
a firestorm of protests from the Bible Belt, conservative and right-wing preachers. These are people that would kill you, you know what I mean? Um, In the Vatican, more people that will kill you, was directed toward the Beatles, especially Lenin. The Pope could have had John Lennon fucking killed for all we know. Lennon apologized for the misunderstanding, but it was apparent to the Fab Four that the press was now prepared to uh, pillory them for any word misspoken, and they soon stopped touring. Kind of reminds me when the Bloodhound Gang disrespected that flag, and then uh, there was some big issue. You know what I mean? They now they don't now you don't ever hear from them ever. Very unfortunate. Um, what do you think about that? You think about do you think it was blown? Like if you're trying to get you take it the perspective of back then. I guess you can do now too, but I'm curious of both of your opinions of, um, you know, the Jesus line. You think it was, what do you think? You think that was something he should have done? He was going for shock value. You think he was just really tongue in cheek, wasn't even thinking of it being a big deal. I kind of think he knew what he was saying and knew it would be a big. He absolutely knew what he was fucking doing. A big outrage, dude. You know, yeah. it wasn't just some. Eh, ah, he fucking believed it. Yeah. He did believe it, dude. He did believe it, and, like, he knew it would offend people. Like, he knew yeah. the backlash that was coming with it. Like, yeah, I'm more popular than Jesus. What are you going to do? Kill me? Yeah. <laughs> you going to do shit, man? The Dakota? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the thing is that, first of all, during the time and all that, that, yeah, uh, plus also John Lennon, uh, the impression I always got from him was... He was a guy who was extremely full of himself. I'm um, oh, oh, still heard. Well, oh, that too. Oh, shit. But um, the fact is that when he said that, he he probably uh, in one way he was right because uh, during that time, I mean, that was the heyday of the Beatles. I mean, you had. You know, girls screaming and running after him. It, More it's, than that, too. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Chapman hear you, bro. Yeah. He's still alive. He's lurking in the shadows. But, yeah, I mean, the fact is that uh, the Beatles had a lot of um, impact on the, t- the youth at the time. And plus, also, a fact is no young person, for the most part, is is going to be you know, sitting down, flipping through the Bible when they could be, you know, at the, at at the concert, uh, you know, yelling and sh- scream, uh, screaming at the Beatles. And right. I, I'm just assuming that um, uh, that was probably uh, a more common thing for the young teens to do at the time than, you know, stay locked up in their rooms like mom and dad would like them to be and reading and, and, and praising Jesus and all that great stuff. Um, and and the fact is that uh, Lenin was right because I mean, they were such a huge thing at the time that uh, Jesus was not, I mean, for those chasing after the Beatles, I'm sure Jesus was not high on their priority list. I feel you. Yeah. And and the fact is, John it was a smart enough man that he knew that by saying that, it would, you know, add to more uh, controversy that would uh, then, you know, uh, it, it's like the old saying, there's no such thing as bad publicity. 
I mean, yeah. all, all it takes is to say that, and then you have all these, you know, uh, rice groups, you know, how dare you, you corrupting our kids and all that. I'm like, well, if you you don't want your kids corrupted, don't make it easy for them to decide to be corrupted. No, it's a weird, it's difficult. It's a very difficult deal where uh, I've always, uh, the kids think, wait, unless you have them, you can't get the vibe before it. Because even with my nieces and nephews, my nieces and nephews, it's like, dude, like, like outside world hammers that stuff so hard that it's really, it's difficult. You know what I mean? To kind of, and you, you being a parent is kind of like you're almost a bad guy in a way because you're the disciplinary or the te- you know what I mean? So like, it's weird. Like, I, it's a very weird dynamic where you know you got to play it perfectly just right to like, uh, you know. Well, rule number one: if your parents, um, you you are the parent. You're not your your. I mean, you're not your kid's friend. Your 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 whole purpose is to be the disciplinarian. Yeah. And and to be perfectly honest, if your kid isn't, you know, uh, upset with you at least twice a day, then you're probably doing something wrong. (laughs) I'm just saying. And 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 the fact is that yeah, it'd be great if your kid was always, uh, you know. Uh, following the rules and and not stepping out of line, but the whole purpose and the whole point of being children is that they're going to always rebel. I mean, occasionally you'll get get a kid that you know is perfectly happy, not you know pushing uh, the boundaries that is set by the parents, but uh, that is pretty rare, to be uh, perfectly frank. Yeah, I remember Atmosphere said they were bigger than Jesus later in life. It wasn't as effective, wasn't as uh, shocking when they did it, you know what I mean? And yeah, like, because I have no idea who Atmosphere is. Oh, you're a cold-blooded animal to say that. Great underground hip-hop group. Now, yeah, we, well, everyone knows about the Beatles. <laughs> but not everybody likes the Beatles. Yeah, but everyone knows about the Beatles. It's the same thing as Elvis. Everyone knows about Elvis, whether you like Elvis or hate Elvis. I mean, that's why, you know, John Lennon said what he did, because I mean, even if you hate their music, you can't, you couldn't go anywhere and ask someone, do you know uh, who the Beatles are? And they'd be like, uh, no, I have no idea who the Beatles are. You go to a kindergarten. Everybody knows what a Beatle is. It's a bug, you know what I mean? Now, in the late I 90- got a Beatle in my jar at home! You know, in the 1960s, Lennon became an out. There's more reason why he was could have been killed off. Uh, no, could have, but was who would be the question? Uh, became an outspoken opponent of the Vietnam War in protest of Britain's involvement in Nigeria and British support of the U.S. role in Vietnam. He returned the mem- uh, the member of the Order of the British Empire that he had received from Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, rest in peace, following their honeymoon after their marriage in 1969, Lennon and Ono recorded Give Peace a Chance, which quickly became the Peace Movement's international anthem. A very famous song. All I am saying. Good job. Now, after Lennon moved to New York City in the early 1970s, uh, President Richard Nixon, Alex's boy, 
Tricky-dicky, wiki-wiki. And other right-wing politicians such as Senator Strom Trumand and Attorney General John Mitchell viewed John Lennon as the great devil of all subversive activity. That's not something you want to be... Uh, that sounds like something you don't want to be accused of being called. Uh, he was popular, outspoken. He was an individual who could start riots and rebellions. J. Edgar Hoover agreed with their fears, and Lennon's FBI file bore large, handwritten, block-lettered motto, all extremists should be considered dangerous. Government agents were assigned to get enough of the Lenins so they could be deported. Yeah, I remember the deportation part, too. They were trying. He was, you know, like, whenever people say try and do that peace thing, and, you know, there's definitely some darker forces behind the scenes that don't want everybody getting along, and they like a little bit of chaos, you know what I mean? Or whatever well, you kind I, of... Yeah, I'm, I mean, the thing is that... I mean, those in charge hate, hate the word peace. Peace, peace gives them that got ulcer every time they hear it. Because the fact is that if you don't have people fighting against each other for the brass ring, for food, for whatever you want to throw out there, then you can't control them. And, And the fact is, we can have peace on this earth tomorrow. Yeah. The only trick is you have to get everyone on the planet, and I mean everyone, every single living thing on this planet to agree to be peaceful, agree not to hurt each other. It's extremely easy, but the problem is that you'll always have a bunch of people who's like, yes, but I want to have more than this person. I want to make sure that I'm on top. I don't want to be you know, a little bit of time or just comfortable, a little more comfortable than someone else. I want to be, you know, the the highest. And because of that, that's where we get like the Putins and 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 people like that that all they want to do is, you know, uh put people underneath them so they could feel more superior. And people like Lenin, uh are pushing and trying to convince people that, you know, it's better if everyone worked together and everyone, you know, uh, you know, w- try to go for a peaceful existence, not yeah. to relish, you know, working and, and, and getting, you know, more and more stuff. Because in the end, you know, stuff does not fill your soul. Stuff doesn't help make you feel better other than, you know, feeling that you're better than someone else. And, I mean, going with um, Mark David Chapman's issue with him, I can see that, you know, you're looking at this person who has all this money, all this fame, living in a great, you know, uh, building, you know, has everything that he wants, and he's telling someone who has nothing, oh, just, you know, just let it all go, you know, everything's fine, you know, this all be peaceful. Yeah. And and the fact is that, yeah, but the people that need this advice, who need to actually embrace this, are the ones who are at the same level you are, but stepping on the necks of those below them. I mean, right. it's kind of like hypocritical for you saying, hey, give peace a chance while I'm living in this great swanky apartment. It's... uh. 
it's very dangerous to say give peace a chance. You know what I mean? You gotta be careful. Not not too much peace. Now, well, now, I mean, I I'm okay because I mean, I no one listens to me, so <laughs> so I don't have to worry about you know anyone coming after me because I mean, what the heck do I know? <laughs> Ain't you something? Now, in 1976, John and Yoko had finally resolved their strife with the U.S. immigration officials. Yoko had... Huh? Thank God. Well, I did... We got some of the research uh, for the Patreon people out there. If we can get $1.5 million, that record signed, signed in ink and blood of John Lennon could be ours. No. Yoko had given birth to their first child, and John had decided to retire from the music business. You know, that whole deal right there is something, too, because, you know, you've heard that with with the Tupac situation. We talked a little bit about it with Sam Cooke. Like, once you, you're drifting, you, you, you're not making record labels money anymore. There's now an issue there. And unfortunately, it's been proven time and time again when an artist is going through a slump, the best thing for them is death. Unfortunately, you know, you hear of a lot of, you know, DMX's catalog, poof, through the roof when he died. Michael Jackson's catalog, poof. Even with all the claims, which I really don't know if I believe, to be honest with you, but even with all the claims of all that dark shit with Michael Jackson, did when he was dead, poof, through the roof, you know what I mean? Ugh, when Shaggy and Jago were going to be sitting on gold mines. <laughs> oh, my. Whoever owns it, yeah, I can imagine. Um... So it's like, there's that, you know, he's upset. There's a lot of people being upset by Mr. Lennon. You know what I mean? Oh, boo-hoo. Boo-hoo-hoo. But I think the boo-hoo added up to the boom-boom. Yeah. You know what I mean? Perks. Uh, yeah. Now, then, curious to see if uh, he could still write songs. He picked up his guitar again in 1980. That's where he did it. Uh, so the record labels were happy again. It's okay. They They said... That's when they canceled Chapman's check the first time. Yeah. yeah. Now, as John Lennon lay uh, semi-conscious and bleeding to death later that year, Mark David Chapman was prematurely calm, almost serene in his demeanor. Later, he said that he felt nothing at the time of the shooting. No emotion, no anger, nothing but silence in the brain. But just before he pulled the trigger, a voice inside of his head told him over and over again, do it, do it, do it. What, what do you guys just think? Just do it. What are just we, what, do it. What are we thinking here? We, You know, you guys, this is just what, a mental illness? You guys ever, what's your take on it? Like a, a possession, almost a dark, demonic fucking possession type deal, which I think is, I think it goes hand in hand with. Crazy people, people going losing their mind. I feel like if it was like a demon possession, he would have said something about it. What else would he have to lose at this point? The guy's already fucking nuts, right? Yeah, it's weird. It's like not talking about it is a, is if you think that there'd be tortured souls. So like not talking about it, not giving that as an excuse, might even be more torturous. But I'm with you. So, I'm with you. I don't know. Luckily, if, I don't if know. so, he's a saint for not saying well, anything, keeping everything in the dark. Well, to keep with that saint thing, Saint Chapman. Uh, after you know, when 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 Lennon talks shit, talks shit about Jesus, Jesus, you know, Chapman put him down for Jesus, and he's a Christian man now. So, like, it's it's inter- very interesting now that he's like a religious dude. 
he probably don't talk about the Lennon thing because he probably almost has like an eye for an eye. Like you, mm-hmm. you, you disrespected him, so I killed you type vibe. But he just, you know what I mean? He just don't, you can't say that, you know what I mean? Now, the conspiracy theorists were quick to name Paul McCartney, Lennon's chief rival in the Beatles. I'd like to note also someone who, you know, in the conspiracy world died many, many years ago and was replaced by a doppelganger, Paul McCartney. Uh, watch, listen to the Paul is Dead episode if you want to catch up. Now, as hiring an assassin to put an end to their competition, I, what do you guys think the reality? I, I'm going to say, and if you guys differ, I'd love to hear it. I don't think that the the beef between them was heavy enough for fucking Paul McCartney to have Lennon killed. What do you think? Who wants to go first? Um. Well. I yeah, I mean, I I knew about the uh, beef between the two of them, but the fact is that, uh, especially when you're dealing with creative types in 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 a group like in a band like that, you're always going to have some rift between your other bandmates. Yeah, you know, for whatever reason. I mean, you can claim it's the Yoko Ono factor, or you can say that, you know, yeah, or, or something else. Um, I have to say, I I don't see that, that if Mark David Chapman was not just a crazy uh, fan that just did it because, you know, out of the, the, the weird reasoning in his head and that uh, he was actually put up to do this, um, I would. I mean, if if this is if if this is the road we're going down, and we're a, saying okay, Mark David Chapman is is actually working for somebody to kill off John Lynn. Okay. Well, there's multiple would, people in that in that position. Yeah, but but I would go back that the uh out of where we see him going, yeah, the most likely factor is. Uh, the church, okay. We're gonna go through all of them. Yeah, but I mean, just, if you could just answer the one I asked you, that'd be great. <laughs> no, that'd no, be I refuse. Time. I refuse. That'd be a good time, Jonathan. What do you think? What do you think the reality <laughs> of Paul McCartney being the person that that said Lennon needs to go away? I don't. If I feel like if I was McCartney, I'd probably want Yoko gone. Yeah, well, that's but, where true hatred. Would and be. then. And then he'd get his band back, you know? Yeah, no, I agree with you. It's also like both of these dudes kind of been on top of the world. And I almost yeah. feel like when you've been on top of the world and you're still kind of solo-wise doing, living your dream and having fun, like, I don't feel like you would put all that greatness on the line to, like, fucking have somebody killed and have that come back to you. Yeah. Because then you're giving every, you know, even if you think that your best life was with them, like you're still having a good life now. It's like you're going to give up that good life because, you know, because, because you lost the best life. It's like, I think that was kind of troublesome. Um, now, some even named Yoko and blamed her for uh, nursing jealousies for the times Lennon had strayed from her marriage vows. Alex, what do you think? You think that? The possibility, because he was running around uh, getting homage from all, all the ladies that enjoyed his music, that that was enough for Yoko to kind of, 
No, no she, she was She wasn't as dedicated as Shug Knight to get grazed in the forehead. <laughs> but, but do you think do you think Yoko Ono would have any involvement? Could have any involvement with Lennon being killed? In, in Lennon getting killed? Yeah. I mean, I think I have to. Uh, I have a hard time seeing that. Yeah. Even if let's say she was pissed beyond all belief because he was, you know. Uh, sticking his wick in other inkwells. Candles, yeah. Uh, yeah. That uh, he... Um, the fact is that where she was with him alive mm-hmm. uh, is was, you know, at, at a certain level. Now, I don't remember exactly... I'm sure she got uh, something in the will and all that, but... She probably got everything. After... after jo- Hmm? Yoko probably got every like realistically the best stance of Yoko being involved with it. I guess could be the infidelity, but I guess you would have to add the money because they were yeah. married. So I assume everything went to her. Yeah, but also a fact is that when John Lennon died, she yeah. didn't even become an afterthought. No one talked about her. See, I mean, I, mean, I would just assume. I mean that. You know, she was riding high with, you know, uh, with John at that moment. Right. That bumping him off. Well, yeah, you know, she might, you know, get get uh, all this uh, financial, but uh, she definitely. Uh, I mean, if if fame was part of the reason she was with John, that definitely disappeared because. After John died, she wasn't. I mean, she was barely mentioned after that. Other than, oh yeah, Yoko was there, and and John died, because John was the name, and and the fact is, it's like killing the golden goose that laid the golden eggs. I mean, she could have stayed with him for years and benefited greatly, even more than getting a quick payout at that moment. I mean, uh, how old was John again? He was what at the time, like twenty five? I think early thirties. I think early thirties. I think okay. Yeah. Even with you know all the you know money that he got from record labels and everything else he did, I mean that would be stupid. Even if he you know stepped out on her on a few times. And she was extremely hurt and angry and wanted to punish him. There's a lot of other ways to punish him and still keep him around so she could keep on getting the rewards. I mean, killing him, especially that time, that early on, uh, would have been stupid if that was what happened. Because, I mean, as soon as he's gone, you know, uh, I think the Beatles catalog ended up being... Uh, oh, shit. Uh, there was a thing where... I think the record labels had the ownership of the Beatles catalog because I remember when Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson were friends, uh, Paul tried to buy the the rights to the Beatles songs, but he didn't have enough money. So he went to Michael Jackson, who was like his friend at the, t- at the time. They did that, you know, uh, record together. Oh. He was like, hey, Mike, can you help me do this and all that? And Michael just bought up all the rights himself and pretty much said, Paul, suck my dick. 
baby. <laughs> yeah, it's just business, yeah. baby. Just business. And, and of uh, course, you know, was. totally screwed him over. So... You know, the- the Yoko deal, the thing with Yoko is like, uh, I don't think that she did, but if I, if it was true, you would also have to add the element that, yeah, she did kind of, she, they still talk about her today. Every now and then she'll pop up, but I guess anybody famous pops up whenever, nowadays, whenever, but. Yeah, I mean, I mean, but, I mean. But, but I... still like, it's not unlikely that maybe she had, if, if, if you were to take the theory that she killed him, that she did have things in motion that just fell through didn't pan out like she could have had this big scheme you know speculation she could have a speculated scheme that uh you know things lined up and just didn't it didn't work out that way but supposedly she should have and would have what Ben yeah i don't know i just I mean, like i said i if she was behind i would expect her to hold on to him for at least another 10 years and get as much juice out of him before you know, I also I made it. a mistake. He was actually forty years old. My age, scary. Oh, he was forty. Be careful. Yeah, I he think was he was a lot I think younger. He was that old. I didn't realize he was that old. I know, like Tupac was like twenty three or twenty six, which is kind of insane. Kurt Cobain was like twenty. He was twenty seven. He was a part of the twenty seven club. Yeah, these people like the big impacts in in the short time they were kind of here. It's interesting. Yeah. Now, the official verdict. Was that it was just another crazy gunman? You know what I mean, like a like an Oswald type situation. Um, British lawyer journalist Fenton Bresler. Sean, did I ask you about Yoko? Uh, what if if she was involved? Yeah, if you th- what what you think of her opinion of her being involved in Lennon getting killed? Nah. Yeah, no. and I mean she she was screaming. She was the one who was screaming too. I think I, I watched a little thing of him talking about that day and he said that like after he sat down there was like a pause like after he said he shot Lennon there was a pause and then he heard like some ladies screaming and I think that was Yoko screaming when when he died but picking up on uh, Breezer's theory uh well you know we'll go you know thought the you know British lawyer journalist Fenton Breezer thought Chapman seemed just a little too much like Sirhan his quiet calm unnatural tone and manner after the murder is saying that a voice in his head kept telling him to do it, do it, do it. Breezer theorized in who killed John Lennon that in Chapman, he had another programmed brainwashed assassin. Son of a bitch. Like Sirhan (laughs) Sirhan. Um, What do you guys think of him being a brainwashed? Like, I, you know, that's all, you know, I think there's a little brainwashing going on somehow, in his, but I don't know who's doing the brainwashing. It's a bit uh, much. It could be Lennon brainwashing. It could have been Lennon himself brainwashing a fragile mind into killing himself. Imagine that. It uh, was an elaborate suicide attempt. Well, he had a lot of time on his hands since quitting the Beatles. <laughs> you know what I mean? What do you think, Alex? Brainwashed assassin? <laughs> Greenwash assassin. I mean, I did argue for you know the hell of it that he was a brainwashed assassin. Then the second question is, okay, who brainwashed him? Right. Then I would say, if we uh, had to pick those who had the uh, the ability, the resources, and a reason to um, take care of Lennon. 
Uh, I would have to say the church. Interesting. I know you were going going at them earlier too. I know you got your beef with them. <laughs> well, I, I'm just saying that. I mean, I still think it's kind of far fetched, but this you know this play with this. I don't think it's idea. far fetched, man. I think that, I, I think. Well, I'm, I mean, I mean, I mean, uh, I mean. Here's the thing. Okay, look no. at it this way. Okay. You're going with the whole, you know, he said that he had a voice in his head, yep. you know, telling him to do it. Okay. This also go down the possibility of, you know, the supernatural, if you believe in that and all that. Okay. I, you got um, the uh, church that has, you know, you know, those who do exorcisms and that kind of stuff, you can, I guess, argue that the voice in his head uh, was maybe a demon that, uh, you know, the the church found a way to implant in him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the heck, I've heard crazier ideas. Um, and, of course, that was what egging him along. Or um, what probably would be a little bit more realistic is that for the fact that not only did David Chapman, you know, uh, seem so calm and that, you know, what he did was right. I mean, the church is always great at convincing people to do horrendous things for, you know, the right reason or what they believe is the right reason. But the interesting fact is that you guys, you brought up that he uh, became a Christian in 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 the slammer, okay. Yeah, big house. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I mean, from what I read about Mark David Chapman, he was definitely a lost person, a lost soul. Which you know, uh, cults and you know, religion are, are notable you know havens for these kind of people. Mm-hmm. So okay, this argue that he's lost. He has no direction in life. Easily manipulated, and you know he ends up, you know, finding a, a support group in the church, and uh, the church finds him as a easily molded and mil- manipulated, you know, tool yeah. to uh, use for the vendetta against uh, Lenin for you know uh, blasphemy, and also in. Uh, Pretty much having the balls to say something that you know was true—that uh, the Beatles were more impactful than the Church at the time—and the Church constantly seems to be losing ground uh, in in a lot of places. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you look at the Church now and you look to the um, you know, where they were, you know, twenty, thirty, forty years ago, mm-hmm. I. Mean, 30, 40 years ago, uh, you know, it e- everywhere you go, it was the primary, um, you know, I guess, uh, um, religion and all that, that everyone, you know, followed and went to church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. And now it's it's more of an afterthought. You still have those that are, are, are delf- uh, definitely, you know, uh, you know, hard uh, Christians. That yeah. you know followed, and 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 the fact is that um, you can argue that uh, 
that they decided to, uh, you know, shut Lennon up because they thought that uh, he was pushing people away from, you know, being able to be controlled by them. You know, the younger generation. I mean, they were affecting the younger generation at the time. Yeah. And, uh, and if they decide that there was enough of a reason to, you know, uh, go, go after him and they found this guy that they thought was a, uh, easily manipulated person to do what they wanted. And they told him like, Hey, if you do this thing, God will take care of you. You'll spend the rest of your life in prison, but God, God goes through prison walls. Prison walls cannot keep God out. Okay, you can become a you know a, a, a Christian behind the walls and help those that need to be helped. They are suffering in prison. Yeah. You know other kind of you know fake platitudes that they they can use to try and manipulate someone to do something that's horrendous, which is going to screw up any possibility of having a regular life after. Jonathan, what do you think? Brainwashed assassin? I agree, Hawk. I agree very much, though. Yes, I am on that 200% brainwashed by the Vatican. Well, whatnot. Heck yeah. Uh, Now, picking up on Brezel's theory, Brezel's theory there, uh, we were reminded that in the years of social upheaval in the 1960s, operatives in the CIA's super secret MKUltra project, as we know about, uh, we're experimenting with LSD, hypnosis, and a host of other mind-controlling techniques, some of which have been tested by Nazi doctors on unwilling concentration camp prisoners. Brezer learned that Chapman had been signing his name as John Lennon prior to the assassination. I think the last time he worked, he signed out as John Lennon or something like that. Um. You know, and uh, prior to the assassination, he was doing that. He once told an interviewer that he had killed Lennon in order to promote J.D. Salinger's novel, Catcher in the Rye. We need promoters like that. We need a street team as dedicated. You know what I mean? You blast somebody's face off and throw DJ Stan the man at him. (laughs) I mean, mean, there's no other way to go, realistically. Um, Brezier thinks that the novel might have been the mental mechanism that triggered Chapman's programming. I I really want to read the book now. To, I know you gave a good little like synopsis hawk there, but uh not not well, to be, you know. I mean I mean I mean here here's the thing. I mean I read the book and, and, and for everyone uh listening that I read the book and I didn't go out and kill anybody. Um I love that you'll admit on podcast. Uh, yeah. Maybe I blacked out and, and did something. But I, I read the book and and I have to say I, the feeling I had when I first read it in, in, in high school when yeah. I had to and then I reread it again for uh for um you know inspiration for my character <laughs> that the character uh of Holden in there is a guy that the impression I get is, 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 is a whiny bitch. That's oh. yeah. I mean, uh, he you know he doesn't um, 
he, I mean, it's funny because I remember reading the book and it just reminds me of so many other people I went to school with that, that never applied themselves and complained that, you know, they weren't successful because, you know, they didn't have their father or someone else, you know, make it easier for them to uh, become successful. Um, and it, it's, and, and the fact is the only interesting part was, you know, he kept on calling people out for being phony, hypocrites and all of that. But, yeah. uh, you know, if you look at it, he himself was a, a phony and a hypocrite because he was uh, pointing out everyone's faults, but not his own. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I took from the book. And I'm sure other people uh, took other things. I mean, that that does kind of line up with the Lennon deal because yeah. he was kind of, yeah. But another interesting thing, which uh, could also add to why the book kind of also speaks to those who um, have uh, mental issues, is in fact J.D. Salinger. Now... He, um, if I remember correctly, uh, he was uh, a, a vet. He was uh, a um, a soldier, okay, yeah. during, um, and of course, I don't remember, the, the, it, it was either World War One or World War II. Two. Two. Two? Okay. Because I don't remember off the top of my head when the book, uh, Catherine Rye came out. But... The thing is, he was a guy who was suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, okay? And one of the ways he was able to deal with it was writing this book. He wrote a few other books, but Catcher in the Rye uh, was the only one that really became huge from my memory. Now, the fact is, um, one thing I've, I've, I've learned is you you take someone who has had mental issues and they do art, yeah. whether it's writing, whether it's painting, whether it's, you, you can't help but take that mental anguish and kind of almost infuse the piece of art with it. Okay. Yeah. Perfect example. Okay. Is you take uh, Van Gogh. Okay. You look at his paintings mm-hmm. Uh, he was suffering from heat stroke and a bunch of other ailments when he did a lot of his most famous paintings. Now, I know when I look at them, it physically hurts me. My head hurts because of the colors and all that. And, and the thing is, I think it's part of when you have somebody who is struggling with a mental issue and they are trading on. That they have, it's almost a weird kind of, um, I don't know, almost like a, a possession of your own anguish into the art. Okay? Yeah. And you can argue that, like J.D. Salinger dealing with his situation, writing this book, that a bit of the shit that he went through kind of almost seeped in the pages, almost like uh, making the book itself a 
Um, trying to think of a good word for it. But, you know, it's like the Book of the Dead from Evil Dead, you know, where it has a, almost is possessed. So almost like the story itself is kind of possessed with his, you know, mental anguish. So when people read too much of it and get too invested into it, that they might be uh, subset, um, like um, open to being, you know, kind of pushed over the edge. Especially right. if you have the right uh, mindset for that. You can argue that maybe that's one of the reasons why Catcher in the Rye ended up being not only Mark David Chapman, but I think the guy who shot Reagan had a copy. And there's a, a, other things where you have someone do something horrendous and there's a tie to this book. I mean, like you said, there was a point where J.D. Salinger left and didn't write anything else because everyone was tying his book to these horrendous things. And the fact was, he wasn't trying to do or manipulate or hurt anybody. He was trying to deal with his own anguish. Yeah. And and he didn't think, you know, doing that, writing this book, getting it out there, mm-hmm. was going to affect people this way. But it did. But, yeah, yeah I mean, that's that's another thing. You can look at it as kind of like, it was almost a vessel for his anguish that then kind of, you know, if you're the right mind chemistry or you're, or you're a little off that it kind of, you're reading it, it kind of affects you to, you know, kind of go off the deep end. Right. You know, the fanatic is a bit, you, you know, you got to, that can't be taken lightly either because there's like a thin line between sanity there sometimes. And I think that he loved Lennon. When he was a part of the Beatles, it almost has that dime bag Daryl deal where, like, when you break up a band, you gotta go type vibe. So I think he was a big fan of Lennon. Hypocrisy is like a big that can create, you know, hypocrisy can create some serious hate, especially if you like the person ahead of time, and then you kind of see, then you can almost want to kill him. You know what I mean? Like that's what I think. There's a lot of that there too. I, I juggle between the brainwashing element and just being like a crazy fan type deal because the catcher in the rye, the being a phony thing, like, like I was saying before, he's one of like the top five people that you would mention in the give peace a chance movement. And, um, you know, we've heard rumors that he's not a nice guy and stuff like that. And I don't know what he, I assume he, I assume that he sang about peace more than just to line his pockets, which it did because peace sells, but who's buying, you know what I mean? Yeah one of those things. But uh, so it's a juggle up for me of which, which I think is a big mixture, but like, I wouldn't put it past. Like, there's a lot of crazy madness going on inside his head for sure. And uh, his interaction with him was pretty good. If I remember correctly, like he, 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 he like asked if he could do anything else for him. Like, I think he signed his, I forget the I, I forget the timeline off top right now of what it went down, but I almost feel like he signed the record, and then Lennon was like, "Is there anything else you want from me?" And he was like, "No, that's it." And Lennon was like, "Okay, you know, have a good night or whatever." And he started walking away, and then after a couple steps, I think that he was like John or something like that, or he maybe not even, and then he just started fucking blasting him. So I know he got shot in the back. So it was probably while he was walking away, which is like, 
who's to say what the interaction was? It's possible that Lennon was kind of was kind of being a dick or something, and you'd think that would come up in his statement, you know, when Chapman was talking about it, but maybe not saying that is this it's I don't know, there's a righteous deal to it. I'm curious about religious how religious he was before going to prison. You know, it would be amped, you know, to the highest volume once you go in, of course. Um, but like, even if he, I even, I almost feel like in a psychotic person's mind, if you were religious and you were to say, you, you could almost justify killing this person for talking about your God, talking about your savior like that. You know what I mean? Like, you'd be like, well, it's okay because when I see him, I'm just going to tell him, well, I did this because he was disrespecting you. And he'll just go, oh, <laughs> that's not how we handle things around here, brother. You know what I mean? And uh, But everything will be smooth. I think that's almost like a psycho- psychotic way of thinking. Um, but it's possible. I He's definitely, Chapman's definitely a really fucking mixed up dude. Now, he wasn't always that way, though, which is very interesting. You know, at, when he was younger, friends knew him as a socially minded, likable individual you know what i mean his family pointed out that he had been uh, a sensible young man who had a who was a camp counselor with and good with kids all right now i'm still iffy on him that didn't change anything for me mm-hmm. now, an, odd, an odd factor in his biography is the period when he signed up for the ymca overseas program and in Fucking ymca man why MC? Maybe he's more of a, a Village People fan than a Beatle fan. Mm. And in June 1975, ended up in Beirut. You know what I mean? Although Chapman was a born again Christian, he began taking drugs in college. Uh, he had a nervous breakdown, and uh, and then you know, and then he became a, hosp- a hospitalized mental patient. Uh, when he was released, he became so obsessed with John Lennon that he married a Japanese woman because of her resemblance to Yoko Ono. <laughs> See, like, the, the, these last couple things is really touching base on him being fucked up in the head. Like, he might have had a, his youth, might have been normal, but I think when he went over there and he fucking started experimenting and doing some crazy drugs, I think it really warped out his mind. He probably lost himself in it, you know, like Alex was saying with that cult leader thing, whether it's Charles Manson or the person on the radio, if you're really taking in what they're saying and taking it to heart, it could be just as effective to you. I think Mm -hmm. John Lennon, I think John Lennon meant more than a person, more than a musician to him at one point. Um, And then much like like, like that Dimebag Daryl dude who who shot Dimebag, you know, he was just so fucking pissed. Suppose he was psychotic, of course, but his main motive was the fact that he was so angry that Dimebag supposedly broke up Pantera that he had to kill him. So I think there's a lot of like that psychosis at play too in this situation. Um, what do you guys think about that? You think that when he went over to Beirut and he had got huge into drugs and then had a mental breakdown, I mean, that's probably got to be the turning point from where he ended up. What do you guys think? Yeah. No. It's, yeah. you know, a mental breakdown. Well, I, I mean, I mean, definitely whatever happened in Beirut was what pushed him to become the uh, person that uh, finally decided to kill John Lennon. Um, and the fact is, I mean, both you and I, uh, Matt, 
uh, definitely have experienced uh, going to conventions. And there's a lot of great people there, but we have met some people that um, do have a tendency to uh, become extremely uh, almost to a point of craziness of their, you know, love for different actors and characters and all that. And, I mean, luckily we haven't met anyone that would be considered uh, David Chapman-like. Speak for but, yourself. Speak but, for yourself, brother. But... Uh, two songs on the con circuit. They're out there, brother. Lurk in the dark. Lurk they're in the they're, they're, they're out there, definitely, but... I mean, I, I mean, I've seen a lot of people that definitely could possibly. I mean, if they were, you know, they didn't have any uh, support system, they really dabbled in drugs and all that, and they just kept on obsessing about this one person. And uh, it kind of reminds me, uh, I know, using a movie as, as a reference point, mm. but it's like uh, the movie One Hour Photo. Yeah where you have Robin Williams who gets obsessed with what seems to be a perfect family and then he finds out that it's not a perfect uh, family and that, you know, the husband and father is stepping out on his family. Yeah. And and the fact is that what they show in that movie is, is very true about those that get obsessed about whether it's a family, whether it's a celebrity, whether it's about a person where someone is so obsessed and they have a certain image of that person. And that image, when that image is tarnished or they do something, if that person falls off that pedestal for that person, it can really drive them into a psychotic break. And... I'm glad you brought up one hour photo and obsession because there's definitely that element there for sure. Like the part with him marrying a woman that looked like Yoko Ono, I think yeah, he that... wanted to be. I think he wanted to be Lennon because, you know, there's all type different crazy reasons why people get crazy with, but I think he was unfulfilled in his life and he thought yeah. that he loved Lennon's life so much he wanted to be him. And then when Lennon became a hypocrite, he was like that. So much of Lennon was within his fiber that he was like, "Fuck that!" Makes yeah, like a hypocrite dude too. Shit, you know what I mean? Yeah, and 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 the thing Most is people. that it could be many different things. It could it could even be something that we don't even know about. Yeah, maybe there's like he saw he, he listened to a song of his that he either misinterpreted or he interpreted it in a different way. Or he saw an interview with John Lennon. And maybe all the things we talked about weren't the inciting factor when he decided that, you know, he has to, you know, you know, get rid of John Lennon because John Lennon was not being true to what he was preaching. Right. And and the fact is when you have someone who's so obsessed that, you know, he tries he marries a woman that looks like the woman that the guy he's obsessed with Marries, I mean that's that's another perfect example of someone who's extremely obsessive, and that you know John Lennon has become like such an integral part of of who he is, who he thinks he is, or wants to be, and and the fact is that 
Also, if you want to go with the fact that he was a brainwashed assassin, that's another way that someone could very easily get into and help manipulate him to, you know, do what was ha- what he did do. Yeah, um, you know, because he had a mental breakdown, and then uh, and then he was he did a stint in the mental hospital as a patient, and then they got him out. Um, some scary stuff, man. You know, you gotta be careful with that stuff. Shawnee, when he when he when he was marrying a Yoko Ono impersonator, what would you be thinking at that point? If you were family, if I was like like a like an outsider looking in, if you were like a family or friend of this person, and you've seen this, oh, those fucking red flags, dude. Yeah, yeah. But back in the day, everything was so like families. They just swept that shit under the rug. They didn't want anybody to know. Yeah, I agree. Crazy madness. Chapman's attorney was astonished when, after he had spent six months diligently preparing to defend his client on an insanity plea. Chapman suddenly decided to plead guilty. A small voice inside his prison cell had spoken to him. Chapman explained and told him to admit to the murder. It was God. Well, I think that's what he's going for. Uh, Chapman is imprisoned at Attica State Prison near Buffalo, New York. He had been denied parole three times, most recently in uh, 2004, rather. Yeah, dude. So they they never let him out. Uh, I guess he 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 he. It's weird that they don't because they, he admitted to it, which they 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 cut your time for that. I I believe, and he's been in there. I don't see. He is a loony loony bin, Jim. Though, well, unfortunately, yeah. I I could see him maybe doing this, something like this again. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, the thing is that first of all, it's because of who he shot. If he. Sh- if he shot like someone who was, you know, anyone less notable, you shot any one of us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If he shot one, one of us, he'd be he out. Three of us, and he would have been out fucking twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah. But um, I mean, the fact is, again, if if you're going with, oh, a voice told him to, you know, confess to the crime, you can uh, go with the fact that. Maybe that it gives more uh, credence to the idea that he was being manipulated by some outside force. I mean, especially if 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 we want to go with the idea of the church being behind it, yeah. Especially with him going with, oh, there was a voice in my head that told me that. It's you know, weird. That- it's funny enough that that they that they trust. That's not insanity. Like the voice telling him that it's okay. I did it. They'll go well. The voice telling you to do it isn't enough for you to, you know, not get in trouble for it. But we believe you when you tell when the voice says that you did it. Yeah, you definitely did it, motherfucker. Well, yeah, because uh, I mean, when it it makes it easier for the for judge and yeah, it, yeah, it's less paperwork you know. and easy to like. Okay, you know, he admitted. Take note of that. Yeah, yeah. People so, should take note of stuff like that. Yeah, they just want they just want that little fucking. Just a little bit, pull you in, you know. What I yeah, mean? we'll do the rest. Don't worry. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, if, if if this was, for example, if if this was, if this happened like nowadays, I could simply say that maybe someone um, 
you know, like bugged his uh, cell and and was whispering when he was asleep, saying, "Confess, confess, Mark David Chapman, confess I, uh, for your God." I don't think that's even far fetched. I think yeah, that's well, almost like I think they. I do think they would mess with the, with inmates like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I mean. I'd have to go back to see what the technology was like, what they had to play with. I mean, today you can simply just grab uh, a, um, you know, a uh, a cordless speaker, slide underneath someone's bed, and you know, make them think that a, a demon's your roommate. But, um, but yeah, I mean that that's all. If if they could get hide speakers in there and 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 you know, be you know, talking to him as he's you know sleeping. I mean that's another another way that uh, he could have easily been manipulated, and with the whole him turning to God, again it gives more of a credence a possibility that it was more a religious angle, whether it's the whole church as a whole or someone specifically in the church. Hmm. So we're we're all like a brainwashing. We're thinking it's a brainwashing type deal. Yeah, I'm open to the possibility. Yeah. I mean, unless someone has. Concrete uh, proof proving otherwise. I feel it's either bra- it's either like a brainwashing deal, like he like the, 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 those powers that don't want peace. Like I do believe they're there, and like I do believe that like if you start making enough noise, they will want you to go away. Um, now those people would be the people putting the brainwash together, but I do think that Chapman was like. He was touched by an angel, dude. He was like, uh, he had issues. He definitely he had was, He was touched by an angel in the wrong place. In the wrong places. He definitely <laughs> had issues. And like, like, I wouldn't, if the truth was that he's just an insane person that was caught up in fandom and went in, in, in you know, he, he, he had breakdowns, mental hospital stays, you know, tried to become... Lennon wanted to become Lennon, obviously wanted that life, you know, at least what he thought Lennon's life was. And then when like his whole world got flipped, I think it made him even go weird, crazier. And if he did have those religious ties, I think those would help him, help him pull off the act because he would feel like he was almost doing it for Jesus. Like in a way being like, well, if you're going to talk trash about Jesus, I'll shoot you for Jesus type deal. And I know that sounds funny and strange, but, you know. Well, I mean, there's a thing called the Crusades that, you know, know, it wasn't quite shoot for Jesus. It was more of this hack people apart for Jesus, but similar. What is? The Crusades. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, the the church and, and people have, done uh you know horrendous things in the name of you know uh their god i mean on on all sides so i mean yeah. if if you're if you are you know definitely um how should i say inoculated into uh something like that where it's your whole life and that that you know it, you do anything for it it's very easy to manipulate, do something horrendous, even though in, you know, the belief, the Ten Commandments, you have one of them being thou shall not kill. But I do find it interesting that 
that that commandment always seems to disappear when you know someone in authority uh, wants you know something. Yeah, you know? it's like, oh yeah, uh, we we need the Holy Land, so let's go and kill a lot of people so we can have the Holy Land for ourselves. But you know, you'll be killing for God, so it's okay. So thou shalt kill. You know, just it's an important commandment. It just means. Thou shalt not kill anyone that we like. Anyone we don't like, you can kill. But, you know, if we don't like them, then, you know, don't. Uh, if we don't like them, you can kill them. That fact. You know that for fact? You didn't get us hey, in trouble? Hey, I just, I just <clears throat> find it just hilarious that, you know, you have something as, 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 as I say, the no-dog commandments. I mean, it's you know, it's straightforward. Everyone with half a brain should be like, yeah, you shouldn't kill anybody, you shouldn't steal, you shouldn't, you know, bear false witness. But yet, you know, those in charge seem to always forget those when it suits them. Well, they get other stuff they're worried about. They get other agendas they're worried about at the time. Yeah, I mean, oh my God, give peace a chance. Heaven forbid that we live in a world where Peace is, is, is the new norm. We can't have that. I mean, heck, if we had peace, we can't have another, you know, Indiana Jones or, or a Die Hard movie or a Lethal Weapon movie. I mean, who who wants to see Murtaugh and Riggs sitting around and, and, you know, breaking bread with their enemies? Well, it, is still, it is still scary that uh, no matter who it is that is kept doing the killing... You know, these the supposed peace people, the peace movement people are getting killed. It's interesting, and it's a good, you know, it's a good discussion of whether they're actually be, you know, they're definitely upsetting the wrong people. But the question is, are they, you know, those people saying it's time for them to go, or uh, it's really quite, it's either that or the crazy thing. The crazy thing you can't ignore because Chapman's definitely tapped out. Like his whole thing is like. He's lost his mind many times over. Uh, a shell of a person, pro, you know. And, yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, wh- wh- one of my favorite things, yeah. one of my favorite things that I, 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 I hear is when someone says, uh, uh, because you're paranoid doesn't mean that someone's not out to get you. Right. Okay. So it's. The fact is that, yeah, I mean, you can simply say, and it could very possibly be the truth, that David Chapman was a lonely guy. He became a huge obsessive with John Lennon uh, to a point when John Lennon said and did something he felt was hypocritical that made him a phony, which, you know, he just, you know, kept on reading the Catch and Rye, and, and he just felt that, you know, now uh that it it was so hypocritical for John Lennon to live this way but yet preach you know give up your woolly possessions give peace a chance you know love is all you need and he snapped and I then I don't he think just, Chapman I don't think Chapman would know the real life Lennon though like are these things that like him being kind of like a womanizer and abusive I've heard this and you know, you know, physically, well, and mentally, and verbally abusive to like men and women. All yeah. The, you know, like, but but 
public didn't that was well there was no TMZ. Public didn't know about that. So the yeah. public only knew him as give love a give peace a chance guy. They didn't know all this other shit. Well that's but true. It and really and be the, used as an excuse from Chapman, you know what I mean? But 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 here's the thing, okay? When you're as obsessive as as it's been painted that he is, okay, him simply just, I mean, anyone during the yeah. time, okay, yeah. could look at uh, Time Magazine or wherever magazine at the time, and you see John Lennon, mm-hmm. and you can tell that he's not living, how should I say, a, a sparse lifestyle. Okay, he's not... You know, he's not giving up all his worldly possessions. He's not living in the hovel in in, in the desert right. or anything like that. Yeah. And that within itself is enough to push someone, you know, the way that they paint Mark uh, David Chapman over the edge. Because you have, you know, John Hitler. Lennon keep on pushing about, yeah. you know, give up your material goods. You know, you don't need them. But then again... You look at his lifestyle, and he has all this money, and he's living in this penthouse, but he's telling us poor schmucks that, you know, we should just give up what we have and, you know, just, you know, give in to the hippie movement. Uh, And that within itself could be uh, what, you know, pushed Mark David Chapman over the edge. That he's like, well, you have this guy with all this money, but he's, Saying that, you know, you know, all you need is love, you don't need all this stuff, but he himself has all this stuff. That makes him a hypocrite. You also that makes take, him a pony. You could also so, take into consideration this uh, all you need is love type of character and someone that never could get love, no matter how how hard they tried, maybe. Like, maybe all he wanted was, well, like he had a wife, so he, I, you know what I mean? So he might, yeah, it's weird. It's a weird deal because that don't even make sense. I was gonna say maybe he was a dude that just had no no where where he reached. He was trying to get acceptance and love and never got it. But I mean, it sounded like he had family and friends and a wife and all that yeah. deal. You know, I know that's not well. Everything, I mean, but let, it could be. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, unless we actually can get into his mind, we'll never know. But. I do. I, I from what I've I've seen and read about you know people who are obsessive, it doesn't take much for that person that they're obsessive about to fall off that sure. pedestal that they created for. And okay. when they fall off that pedestal, it kind of like destroys their entire worldview because their entire worldview is based on that one person. It's possible to stay on that pedestal. It's like predestined chaos coming. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like like I said, going with um, you know one hour photo is a perfect example. Right. I mean, you can look at through the uh, like Robin Williams' character through the pictures, and you see a typical great you know family that you know looks happy, everything's good, and then you know all it takes is this woman coming in with her pictures with her and the husband from that family to yeah. break the entire world open for. Her. And because of that, that is why, you know, uh, Robin Williams' character goes off the deep end. And that could simply be the same thing with Mark David Chapman, where he held John Lennon such high esteem that when he saw that John was preaching one thing and wasn't living the same thing, 
that could be enough to you know off hinge him and send him on this you know murderous uh, plan. Yeah, I mean, and all the you know he never really did. And you know, Lenin had preached the the peace thing, but he never like what they do. They laid in bed for a week naked or something for peace or something. Like I don't know yeah. what he really did. You know what I mean? So I I kind of I get where you're going with with that. Um, but then Chapman himself was like he wasn't fucking doing it and trying to make the world any better either. You know, so definitely a psychotic person. You know what I mean yeah. for sure. Yeah, whether he was manipulated into doing it or whether it was a lone gunman thing, I mean, it's obvious that uh, Mark David Chapman was definitely a troubled person that, you know, did a horrendous thing. And we can go on and speculate, and that's what we're doing, speculating all the different possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can agree with us, or you might have a whole different opinion. I mean, it's... Like I said, there's a lot of different ways of looking at the possibilities here. I dig it. I dig it. I think He's we the alien. <clears throat> it was alien life. I think uh, aliens needed him more. Maybe he was an alien. He should have. He should have done that. That'd be a good excuse. If you do something wild, think of the most craziest excuse. It'll keep people guessing for the rest of eternity. And you'll win. And you'll always win. So I think we kinda uncovered this dealio with we we got we got a two two brainwashing assassin or just, you know brain bashed fucking fanatic. What can you do? Used and abused fucking head of his. Woof. Yeah. His head can be science will tap into his head. They'll never let him out. Because there's so many John Lennon fans out there, and I almost get the vibe when people when people take the religious route, they feel like that makes makes them feel like they're not a threat to society anymore. But like to the judge and regular person, just looking at them, is going, "Well, that, you're saying this, but like, I mean, I'm not seeing anything different. You know, it's the same deal. So like, even though they Claimed, and I don't know. Uh, he 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 pleaded guilty, but I don't know if he's ever came forward with being feeling bad for it. Yeah, probably not. We'll let him out. Yeah, fucking, he'll cut down the herd of fucking stupid celebrities for us. He looks like Meatloaf a little bit now. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I don't think you know. He's like Charlie in a situation like that. Uh, never never to be set free. Um, at least Chapman killed somebody. But yeah, I'd love to get in his head because it's kind of an you know, yeah, you kill you kill Lennon, and he would know the real, he would know the reality, but doesn't like talking about it supposedly. So we'll never get the true facts. But we hope you all enjoyed this episode of Behold. If you like this one, go listen to more episodes wherever you found this one at, and uh, we get a Patreon page at Boombastic Streaming, Patreon.com for anybody that wants to support in a heftier way. You know what I mean? Mark David Chapman used to support, no longer can do such things. Mr. Lennon used to support, can no longer do such things. So we're <laughs> calling we're calling y'all out there to listen and show some support. We appreciate it. And we'll catch y'all on the next episode of Behold, 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 a Pale Podcast.
Ooh. Mark, will you relive with us those uh, terrible moments for you, for the world, for a lot of people uh, around and in circles close to John Lennon? What happened that night? Well, if you want to pick it up from the night, um, I was standing there with a gun in my pocket. Knew you were going to shoot him? So, sorry? Knew you were going to shoot him? Absolutely. Okay. Tried not to, praying not to, but knowing down deep it was probably going to come to that. Did you know it would be that night? Did you know you would see him again? Yes, I knew that morning. Oddly, when I left the hotel, I, I had some type of premonition that this was the last time I was going to leave my hotel room. I hadn't seen him up to that point. That's what makes it interesting. I wasn't even sure he was in the building. And then uh, I left the hotel room, bought a copy of The Catcher in the Rye, signed it to Holden Caulfield from Holden Caulfield, and wrote underneath that, this is my statement, underlining the word this, the emphasis on the word this. I had planned not to say anything after the shooting. Walked uh, briskly up Central Park West to 72nd Street and began milling around there with the fans that were there. Jude and Jerry, and uh, later a photographer that came there. And then John came out that day, right? He came out. I was uh, leaning against the uh, gargoyle studded railing and uh, was looking down. I was reading The Catcher in the Rye, and uh, I believe he got into a taxi and disappeared. And then uh, later that day, uh, I had gone to lunch with, I believe, Jude, we came back. With who? With Jude. She was a fan there that uh -huh. uh, was there at the building. And uh, we struck up a conversation about Hawaii, about John Lennon. She'd been there a number of times. And at one point during the day, um, she had left. And uh, John came back out. I don't remember him going back in from the taxi, but he was obviously back in the building. He was doing a, an RKO radio special. And he came out of the building, and the photographer that I mentioned earlier, Paul Gorish, he kind of pushed me forward and said, here's your chance. You know, you've been waiting all day. You've come from Hawaii to have him sign your album. Go, go. And I was very nervous. And I, I was right in front of John Lennon there instantly, and I had a black Bic pen. And I said, John, would you sign my album? And he said, sure. Yoko went and got into the car, and he pushed the button on the pen and started to get it to write. It was a little uh, hard to get to write at first. Then he wrote his name, John Lennon, and then underneath that, 1980. And he looked at me, as I mentioned earlier, he said, is that all? Do you want anything else? And I felt uh, then and now that he knew something subconsciously that he was looking into the eyes of the person that was going to kill him. How do you, why do you think that? Well, his wife was in the car, the door was open, and he's a busy man. He's going to go to a radio, uh, or to his record studio, and he's talking to a nobody to sign an album for a nobody. And he's asking me, is that all I want? I mean, he's giving me the autograph. I don't have a camera on me. What could I give him? I would admit that is a strange thing to say. All right, so he leaves. Right? Yes, he leaves. And what do you do the rest of the day? I stand around uh, like an idiot waiting for him to come back. And what time did he come back? He came back about 10 to 11 at night. Had you eaten dinner? No. 
I had not. Fear you might have missed him? Probably. Knew you were going to shoot him? Yes. How did that happen? What happened? Well, the photographer left. I, In all fairness, I have to say, I tried to get him to stay. Uh, because? There were, those, there were those that felt that I wanted him to shoot pictures of the shooting, which is not true. Why then did you want I, him to stay? I wanted him to stay because I wanted out of there. There was a part, a great part of me that, that didn't want to be there. I, I asked Jude, the fan, before she left for a date that night. She said no. If she'd have said yes, I would have been on the date with her. But you might have killed um, him the next day. I, oh, yes. Yeah, I would okay. have probably come back. The circumstances of the killing, what happened? I was sitting at the inside of the arch of the Dakota building, and it was dark. It was windy. Jose, the doorman, was out uh, along the sidewalk. And here's another odd thing that happened. I was at an angle where I could see Central Park West and 72nd, and I see this limousine pull up. And as you know, there's probably hundreds of limousines that turn up uh, Central Park West in the evening. But I knew that was his. And I said, this is it. And I stood up. The limousine pulled up. The door opened. The rear left door opened. Yoko got out. John was far behind, say, 20 feet when he got out. I nodded to Yoko when she walked by me. She nodded back? No, she didn't. Um, and I don't mean to be so clinical about this, but I've told it a number of times. I hope you understand. John came out, and he looked at me, and, and I think he recognized, here's the fellow that I signed the album earlier. And uh, he walked past me. I took five steps toward the street, turned, withdrew my Charter Arms 38, and fired five shots into his back. What, uh, had you shot that weapon before? That weapon, no. Um, I didn't even know if the bullets were going to work. And when they worked, I remember thinking, they're working, they're working. I was worried that the plane in the baggage compartment, the humidity had ruined them. And I remember thinking, they're working. What did Yoko do? She, naturally, and I can't blame her, she dashed around the stair area. I don't know if it's still there at the Dakota today, but she just, you know, ran for cover, which is what anyone would do. Mm -hmm. John, uh, according to, to what I've been told, stumbled up the stairs, and then I saw her come back around and then go up to the stairs, and then she cradled his body. Did, he, did she scream? I don't think she screamed, but a few minutes after that, there was a, just a blood-curdling scream from someone, and put the hair on the back of my neck straight up. Put the hair on the back of my neck straight up.